Hello and welcome to the Global Reinsurance and Insurance Download, or GRID for short. I'm Charlie Thomas. The GRID is a podcast powered by Eames Partnership, in which some of the world's top insurance and reinsurance executives discuss the secrets of their success. In this episode, our focus is culture. I mean, I think the power of collaboration today is, is what distinguishes Arch from, from some, a lot of our peers. Training people, sharing information, um, those things, I think, become critical in these environments. Very early on, we set up our mission and values. I think that's a big influencer on how people see a culture. We're going to be asking our panel of insurance executives how the COVID-19 pandemic has made them rethink company culture and how they ensure that it permeates to office, remote and hybrid workers. But first, a question for you. How important would you say a company's culture was to its overall success? And has that importance changed over the past decade? Let's start with Vantage's CEO, Greg Hendrick. I think it's equally important. I think it's always been a key thing. I was able, fortunately, to spend a lot of time with Mike McGavick when he was the CEO at, at, at Excel. And he had a way of saying it that I've always loved, which is a, a successful company is always going to have strategy, people, and culture in tight uh, alignment and in a reinforcing circle. And culture has just always been a piece of that. And you can see it over the years in firms that had great culture that have survived, firms that have not had great cultures that haven't survived. Um, I think it's equally important today. I think it's a little more challenged today in, in the specific moments of COVID because it's it's harder to keep it going uh, when you're all virtual. Um, but over time, that'll that'll ease up as well, and it, it will continue to be one of the core things that attracts people uh, to an institution. And they and they it, they know they know it when they see it. It's a very hard thing to put your finger on. Here's Steve Aurora, Axis Re CEO, with his take. Well, I think culture has always been critical to success. Um, What might be different or what is different in today's generation is that the expectations have probably changed for a new generation. So in my opinion, traditional corporate behavior just doesn't work, Um, you know, meaning old fashioned or what worked decades ago just doesn't work today. And I think you need to be human. You have to be relatable. You have to be vulnerable. And that. Those are the types of approaches that works well with the generation of colleagues that we have today. Steve went on to talk about the importance of communication, saying it was critical to communicate honestly and frequently without the use of spin. So when you communicate, it's got to be frequent. It's got to be honest. Um, it's got to be open. And I think you got to avoid spin. Um, and people just don't appreciate that. And there's nothing wrong with being a realistic and honest in, in your assessment. And I think what's also critically important is to have values. So beliefs and purpose, taking a stance on key issues um, is super important. Siobhan Barda, CEO of Amri Syndicate, also talks about the importance of the communication of company culture, particularly in the modern age of LinkedIn and Twitter. Increasingly, I think corporate culture has become very important because there is such a level of transparency due to social media. So I think it's, you know, social media is everywhere today and it's, you know, internal and external. So 
you know, communicating your corporate culture in an external sense into the marketplace and having the market buy into that corporate culture, particularly as a brand, I think that that is very relevant today. And particularly coming out of a pandemic when everyone has spent a year sitting behind a you know, computer, I think corporate culture has become even more important because people haven't been together. RSA Luxembourg CEO Rachel Conran agrees that social media has been a game changer in how potential employees learn about company culture. If I look at Glassdoor, you know, am I entering a company with a toxic culture? And we've all worked in some companies where the culture just really has been the reason we leave. You know, it tends to be you, you don't like your boss or you don't like the culture. And one of those two factors is mostly the reason people leave corporations. And we spent a lot of time on this. Uh, Charles Bundamore, the CEO of the, the whole intact financial corporation, actually wrote the values of the company himself. Um, he, he's very passionate about it. And when you listen to him talking, he didn't pay for somebody to come in and write those values on the wall in the cantina, in the brochures, in the annual report. Um, he and the team sat together to think about this. Um, and, and I think it's fundamental to building particularly a services company where the product we sell is not very tangible. I think the, the values we exude on a daily basis to our customers, our brokers, our colleagues um, is essential. Um, and I think it's something increasingly companies are focusing on. Archery CEO Mamoon Raja also spoke about the importance of values, noting that for him, while culture is something that evolves, company values should stay the same. Values are stable. Uh, your values that you deeply believe in and, and you impress upon the team remain, remain pretty constant over time. But as, as the, the market demands evolve around you, your culture does begin to evolve. And the critical part of it is the team is aligned and that the team, that the, the, the culture is the sum total of what the team brings together. It's not anything that is subscribed or made up. It, it's something that the team deeply believes in. We used to always think that culture is like embedded, but, but it's not. I, it really isn't. Our culture today is different than it was three years, five years, 10 years ago. Um, there's a fabric that holds it together, but, but the values don't change. Vantage's Greg Hendrick also talked about the importance of values and how over time that can lead to an evolution in company culture. One of the best definitions I've heard is it's what's in the air that tells you what to do when there's nobody in the room to tell you what to do. Um, and so by, to me, by, de by that definition, uh, you can't dictate it top down. It's got to be the way people come together and live it. So to, to me, there's a core culture you start with that has a core set of values that you're not going to turn those over completely and go from being a collaborative environment to an individual performer environment. But you are going to tweak things on the edges and find new things that, that come together. I think of the last kind of decade or so where innovation has picked up a lot in the conversation. It's certainly been a very big topic for me and is part of our culture here at uh, Advantage. But uh, other things like diversity and inclusion, there's, there's other lenses that start to come in that you, you slightly tweak your culture. You don't change it radically, but as you add more colleagues, particularly in a startup, you get that, that greater feedback loop and how they're living things. And it kind of becomes that stuff in the air that you, that you know guides you. Building culture at a startup is hard at the best of times. But throw in a global pandemic, which means you're starting a company where everyone is working remotely, can make it even more difficult. Here's Vantage's Greg Hendrick again, discussing how his firm dealt with the challenge. I think what we've been trying to do has been uh, that idea of over-communicating, where you're providing access to, to all colleagues once a week, 
you're providing access one-to-one. We have what we call Vantage Connect, which is a one-to-one random draw of two people every Friday at 11.15. And they spend 15 minutes, you know, not talking about business, but coffee. And, um, and, then, and then we do smaller meetings as well to try and maintain that connectivity. And then very early on, we set up our mission and values. And I think that's a big influencer on how people see a culture. It will change over time. A good culture changes as the colleagues get added in and, and, and make tweaks and, 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 and slight changes to it. But we set some stakes in the ground pretty early on about, about what we wanted our culture to be. In the UK, Inigo also started life during lockdown. Here's COO Karen Graves talking about how her firm approached it. Maybe this is part of the advantage of, of Inigo being a startup is that we've had the opportunity to sit down and discuss because we know how important it is right at the beginning to understand what our culture is and why would people want to come and work with us? You know, what are we offering that's, that's different and how are we going to do things? You know, what have we all missed? So I joined Inigo in the end of October last year, um, you know, and, and until you know, April-ish, we had done everything remotely, right from, you know, the whole Lloyd's making it happen piece, the regulatory piece of the PRA, the hiring people, that you know, that whole starting the underwriting on the 1st of, of January and then finishing off and acquiring um, the Starstone Syndicate. It's just been everything, you know, it's been done remotely and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real testament to what you can do. Um, but I also think it's, for, for me personally, it's highlighted those bits that we've missed. Um, and, and how do you build a culture when everything is, is remote? How do you create that, that sense of, of feeling and camaraderie and collaboration with, with your new colleagues um, until you can actually get together? And, and, you know, one of the big things around this for me is, you know, how much my very wonderful brilliant younger colleagues have potentially missing out not not only with Inigo but before wherever they were um, uh, engaged before you know you learn a lot in the office by seeing and doing um, and you know and and I think that's something that I worry that that, that younger colleagues will miss out on. Mamoon Raja at Archery was also concerned about his more junior colleagues. It is very challenging, uh, particularly for the less experienced group um, in 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 our in our team. Um, you know, nothing beats that daily interaction that you have. Um, but the silver lining of of remote and virtual kind of connections is that you can be a lot more inclusive, and you can bring people in. All they have to do is dial in, right? And so. You have to be a, a bit intentional about it, and um, we try to involve, and we have over the last eighteen months, involved more people in more projects than we ever have, and 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 I think that's kind of how you try to um, keep the values and, and and the culture permeating through the team, and keep the team on edge, keep the team engaged, um, is just through involvement, um, and that and and we can do it a lot easier in this environment than we have in the past. For Rachel Conran at RSA. Remote working had undoubtedly brought some positives, but she was prepared to acknowledge that her firm was still on the journey to turning good intentions into actions when it came to pursuing company strategy. We've had to learn a new new way of doing that. We, we've had to learn a new way of bringing people up through the ranks. You know, if you know how to do your job and you're highly competent at your job, it's probably easier not to have colleagues around you. But
And I think that what we've noticed is the trickle down impact of when you're trying to not change the culture or change the values, but assimilate those as we now go through the transaction into the new group company. Um, The management team have been actively talking about it a lot. They get it. The next level down is, is getting it. But, I, but driving that right through the company, I think, actually is a challenge. And we're looking at the moment at how we do that effectively in the current environment. Um, and I don't think we're good at it yet. I think that's something we still need to practice. And I think we still need to work on future ways of working. I think people call it. But, you know, when it when is it good to be at home in your slippers? And when is it good to be with each other in an office environment? You know, which is the more efficient for which type of work? Um, and, and, and I think values... Uh, you know, combine in a complex way into that. At Alliance Re Singapore branch, regular communication throughout the pandemic helped the team come together. But as regional CEO Kenrick Law notes, it was important to bring them together for some fun too. At the same time, it's also important for um, the team to organise casual catch-up, uh, staff calls and so on, uh, just to share what fun things they've been working on, um, new, what new hobbies they, they're having. Um, so for us, for example, um, we have quarterly staff calls um, and we committed to ourselves not to talk about business in those sessions. So it's purely um, a, a discussion on, um, you know, what are the fun things that people are working uh, on doing right now or, or working on, uh, what kind of projects. Improving staff well-being was also a key consideration for Axis Re Steve Aurora. This has been a tough time for everyone, for leaders, for employees, um, <clears throat> and there hasn't been really any precedent. So I think support has been um, very valuable. Um, and so whether it's providing office equipment or saying you have additional time off, um, encouraging more balance, providing the occasional pick-me-up gift, talking about tough subjects like mental health, or just being empathetic. Um, I think really supporting people has been valuable, and we've seen our engagement levels go up tremendously in a tough space of time or in a tough environment. And I think it's because there's that power in providing support and leaning on each other. So that's one thing. Um, I think you got to find a way to have fun. Um, so in the beginning, everybody was doing these virtual happy hours and, and things like that. But, you know, we found ways to try and, um, you know, just bring a smile to our colleagues' faces. And, you know, um, there's a variety of little things that we've done, but I think that goes a long way. Um, there are the basics. So, again, you've heard me talk about communication a lot, um, but but frequently so weekly communication continuing with things that you did in an on-site environment so if you had an off-site previously have a virtual off-site i know we know it's not the same but how do you adapt agendas and uh, utilize technology to make it engaging but you still are able to transmit information but maybe one last thing is a colleague told me um kind of in the middle of last year that and this really stuck with me that they feel in the pandemic, everyone in the company is equal, that the hierarchy is completely flat because we are all a box on a, on a screen, right? We are all going through the same things. We're all struggling. We're all maybe enjoying more time with our families. We're all going through it for the first time. 
and what used to be a maybe perceived hierarchy or, you know, you would have FaceTime with leaders when they visited your offices. We're just one click away from being on a video call. And I think for many people, they've really appreciated the access to one another. And that's something that I want to really continue and I think has been a very positive part of this experience. Meanwhile, over in Texas, Amri Syndicate had a different experience, with only one person working remotely for most of the pandemic. CEO Siobhan Bader explains more and why she thinks office working should take priority for her firm. Because we're such a small company, uh, we only have one member of staff working remotely. So we have not engaged with the concept of uh, remote work. We would not have been able to achieve what we have done in the past year with people working remotely. In addition to which, I think remote working is really inefficient. I don't think it's the best way for people to work. I think it's hard for them to learn and engage. I think it, uh, it, you know, it impedes the communication level within the company, and people also make mistakes. So. During the pandemic, we did have to work remotely, but as soon as we were able to get back into the market and work together into our office, we did that. We've been working in our office for the past year. So fortunately, we're in an environment in Texas where we can actually do that. We were able to bring everybody back into the office, but I really think that that's how people work best when they can communicate and learn from each other. When they aren't sure about something, they can communicate that problems can be resolved more efficiently and quickly and you know we've written the most amount of business this year that than we ever have and part of that is because we have been together and we've been very focused on what we want to achieve and we've been able to execute that strategy now i don't want siobhan to be misrepresented here so let's be clear her position is of someone who is anti-remote working but not anti-flexibility We spoke for some time about the positive attitude change COVID-19 had brought in terms of offering better support for working parents, for example, but also recognising that presenteeism doesn't guarantee successful outcomes. Family obligations are very important. We don't want anyone in here being unhappy. And so if people have to leave early for whatever reason, I mean, I'm completely sympathetic to that. It's really just important to, like, make sure you cover the bases. But... You know, I take a long-term approach to all the employees that work for us. So as I said, I don't want to lose anyone. So you have to engage with practical realities and really support people in their home environment, you know, and allow them to, you know, get home when they have to pick up their child or do their grocery shopping or things like that. I mean, I'm completely relaxed about that. I'm not in any way like that old school punch the clock type of thing, you know. You You just have to have some flexibility, I think, today. So what will the new normal look like? How can we transform from fully at home to flexible working and ensure that culture still permeates through all levels? Here's Karen from Inigo again. And so as we look to what the future might look like, and who knows what that is because the goalposts keep moving all the time, um, you know, I I think that flexible hybrid style um, is something that we've adopted and we will keep. But I think it's a really the balance needs to be there between having people being able to have flexible and more balanced working lives, but but recognise how important it is to build something um, together and the benefits that you get from that. So, um, 
yeah, so it's been an interesting ride so far, which continues. And um, I think it'll be, an, it'd be interesting to look at the end of this year to how far we've moved from, say, end of June to September to, you know, through another renewal season. Um, how the, how we will look and feel at the end of this year. And um, will we see a drift back? I, I think we're, we're very, you know, that one size fits all has gone, hasn't it now? So what you need to provide, I think, is a in a working environment for your colleagues differs very much on an individual basis. And so trying to build a, a space, um, a flexible framework um, that works for everybody is, is a challenging, challenging prospect, I think. You have to have a plan around that and, um, and how you start to engage with your new colleagues that are coming in on different times. You don't leave anybody behind. And also, you know, and, and have a, a, a heart where you understand that everybody needs to be able to contribute. And a lot of that is around how you how you engage with with um, with your colleagues. Now, I'm, I'm very concerned that we don't leave people behind who are in this hybrid world that we're talking about. You know, we have values. We want to see people. You know, we have to all be really aware that even if somebody's not in a room with you, camera on, engage with them, that they're part of it. So, so people don't get left behind in a hybrid world. Finally, on the topic of culture, I wanted to see if our executives could distill what it was like to work at their company in just three words or short phrases. Here's Rachel Conran from RSA. I'd like to think it's an open culture. Um, it's a culture with a lot of trust. Um, at the centre of it, uh, and a lot of respect. Um, I think those would be the three things that I, I think I would hope are driven throughout Europe. Here's Steve Aurora at Axis Re. Okay, maybe more than three words, but um, <laughs> I would say performance-based would be one topic. Human and caring would be another one. Um, and I would probably say... Um, the third category would be around what has made accessory successful for so many years, which is being agile, creating an engaging experience for our clients, um, and also being really strong technically, so expert-driven. Art Moon Raja picked collaborative, respectful, and driven as his three words. Here's his explanation. I mean, I think the power of collaboration today is is what makes Arch this distinguishes Arch from, from some, a lot of our peers. And, and, and everyone aspires to this and everyone believes that they do a good job here. But the reality of collaboration is that as leaders, um, you become part of that journey. I mean, you are, you are one voice in the room um, and you're there to guide. But, but collaboration across the group just makes that group punch collectively a lot harder than any one individual can. And like I said before, I mean, decisions have so much more implications. They're bigger decisions. They, they, have, they have permeating effects. And therefore, we believe deeply in collaborating. And, and a lot of our success, we, 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 we ascribe to the ability of and to our, to our practice of getting together and making decisions uh, as a group. Here's Vantage's Greg Hendrick again. Well, innovative, uh, analytical, and collaborative. I mean, for me, those are three core pillars for us. We, we want to be creating new streams of, um, of revenue that we're not just fighting over the old premium, that we're solving new risks for people in the innovation category. Technology, we believe, has changed a great deal and allows a lot greater analytics than we ever had before. And then 
you know, if, if I spoke earlier, servant leadership, collaboration clearly is key in that, that nobody, particularly again, in this modern, fast paced world, you can't control everything. You've got to be helping each other to, to get the best outcome. So innovative, analytical, collaborative. Next up is Kenrick Law, Alliance Re's regional CEO for Asia Pac, with his thoughtful take. Well, the first one is loyalty. One thing struck me uh, when I first joined this company is it, how many people celebrating long-term service um, awards, basically. So, um, so some of them stay on for 20, 30 years, so uh, uh, quite a long time. So uh, I would say loyalty would be one. Um, number two is uh, the learning culture, um, not just by... Um, you know, attending classes or uh, attending conferences, but also the willingness to take on job rotation, uh, job swap, uh, job shadowing, and so on. Um, I think that's something that's really interesting. So not only the staff um, are happy to do that, but also uh, the, um, uh, the, the, the managers are also encouraging their staff to do so, you know, um, to keep on learning by, you know, attending conferences of, or, or, or um courses, but also job rotation. So the third one would be uh, customer-centric. So um, and uh, different parts of Allianz world would definitely put our clients um, uh, in the center of everything that we do, um, which is important for a company like us uh, to be customer-focused, actually. So those are the three words I would be able to share. Not everyone kept to our three-word limit. Karen Graves at Inigo opted for three must-haves rather than three definitions. So I might going to define Inigo's company culture in three, three words. But I'm going to define three things that I think are important in a working environment. Okay, so I think uh, it's having uh, it's being collaborative, it's being having an open culture, and it's a it's um, a company that is engaging and has energy. You know, I think they're really important qualities to have so that you feel enlivened when you come to work, that you understand. Why, you know, we all have to, generally speaking, come to work, make it a great place to come to work, make it somewhere that you like to turn up every day because you like the environment, you like the way we do things. The work will be hard because it is in every agency in Broking House. You know, the work will be challenging, but be collaborative. I think I see sometimes our business has got quite siloed um, and I, I love it. <laughs> this is not three words, is it? Sorry. But I love it that um, we have an opportunity to be collaborative with people who can who sit somewhere, have sat somewhere for a while and, and have some great insights into a different bit of the business, but for whatever reason, um, haven't been able to provide that thought or input. And we're going to give our final word to Siobhan Balder, CEO of Amri Syndicate. She elected for positive, progressive and professional. That last point was one I got her to expand on. So to me, professionalism it almost encompasses many things. It's almost even as simple as what employees wear in the office. I mean, I don't expect employees to wear uh, suits, but if we have visitors, I expect them to wear suits. You know, I think that increasingly there's a kind of lax attitude you know, towards professionalism. And I think, again, this comes from management, it comes from top down. And it's looking at the analytics that we produce to make sure they're tight, accurate, executed to a proper time scale. And we review all the information that we deal with from the top down. I think it's, you know, 
employees approach and appearance I think that they have to look clean tidy and well put together because I think that basically translates into their work environment and their approach again I think that's a concept within professionalism and then I think it's also dealing with your client base and understanding you know a structured kind of format with regards to how you manage people and on that note we'll bring this podcast to a close my thanks to all of our participants for this episode please subscribe to the grid to ensure you receive our next one which looks at the question of finding the right capital partner for your business's success see you then